Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the 10-year yield and how likely we are to get to 5% mortgage rates, as well as the Federal Reserve and the banking crisis. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Diego Sanchez, COO of HW Media, and I'm joined today by Alex Ilazai, Chief Strategy Officer at United Wholesale Mortgage. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Hey, Diego. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So diving right in, we might be seeing the first glimmers of a rebound in the housing market. How is this playing out in the broker channel? It's playing out really well. So we're excited about 2023. We see a lot of optimism in the market, just like we in 2022 and leading into Q4 and, and we're hitting the, the ground running uh, really fast in 2023 here in Q1. We're excited about this whole year and what's upcoming. We've launched a lot of new products. We continue to see a lot of optimism in the broker channel overall. And obviously when we're in a purchase market as we're in right now, that's where brokers really thrive in the more complex transactions with buyers and sellers and agents and a lot more going on. Just brokers are the best place for consumer to get a loan. So we see a lot of uh, them continue to grow and, and thrive. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Great. Thank you. It's good to spend time with you. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah Wheeler, it just seems like every time we're here on Friday morning, I have to say that whatever we talk about today at this point, you know, which is around 10 a.m., Pacific Western time. Things might be different by the end of the day, and definitely things might be different Monday morning when this comes out. <laughs> I do feel like every time um, I have you on the podcast, I'm like, this has been a crazy week. We have all these things to talk about. It's like, but we talk twice a week, and it's always like that. So, but but truly, today, historic. Yeah, it's, it's one of these things. I mean, really, this was the main reason we wanted to create the tracker. Uh, and for those that read the weekly tracker, we go over the bond market, economic data, purchase applications, uh, new listings, inventory, because we want to look forward and not wait two to three months to get the data. And you know, you know this week, existing home sales was a very good example of that. Uh, we had nearly a 600,000 home sale print increase on a month-to-month basis, but that started all the way back on November 9th. And uh, we always believe in this principle that forward-looking housing data has always worked since the Peloponnesian War. And in this in this context, that this week is again just as hectic as as ever. Uh, and, and we have to incorporate new variables into the equation because uh, the banking crisis just popped up, and uh, the market is still trying to digest what what does that mean currently. So the last time you and I talked was on the Fed Day when uh, Powell had his Q and A. What has happened since then? Well, I, I I believe personally this is this has gone past the Fed because the short term rates have just collapsed. And you know, <laughs> one of the Fed members, Bullard, was like, "I'm raising my year end target for the Fed funds rate to five. <laughs> what the heck? How how is that even possible? <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> bullard. So, uh, so it's 
you know, he's doing that this morning, you know, and Bull, everybody who, who watches the Fed, they know Bullard does this. His job is to talk really tough and to, but he, he picked a very odd day to do this. The short term bond market, the two year yield has just collapsed and kept on going lower. Uh, that's basically screaming Fed policy mistake. You're, you're overdoing it. The Fed's own body language, or at least when Jay Powell was talking, just you could see that he's not quite sure of himself. Um, this is one of these unknowns. Uh, I think. I think if people truly believe that the this banking crisis would create severe tightening of credit quickly, the ten-year yield would be under three percent right now. Um, going back to the twenty twenty-three forecast, I talked about this range, ten-year yield. And remember. I do not target mortgage rates. I target 10-year yields. I don't even talk about the mortgage-backed security market. That's not what I do. My job is on the economic side, and I target bond yields. And that's how I've done it on all my yearly forecasts since 2015. And I would take my record against anybody on planet Earth. Um, but here, until the economy got weaker, I didn't think we could break under 3.21% on the 10-year yield. And, and, and this morning, uh, oddly enough, we've done this whole Gandalf thing for so long that everyone just sends me Gandalf memes and pictures and videos. And, and you know, when I woke up, the 10-year yield is at 3.30 and uh, kind of did a little video of Gandalf falling with Balrog down there. And, and in this case, we've been here before where the intraday of the 10-year yield got to 3.29, and then by the end of the day, it shoots right back up. So while I'm telling you this right now, um, by the time you hear this, it's really what the close of the day is. I don't know where we're going to be, but uh, the 10-year yield shot right back up to 3.39 during the intraday works, and I think we're at 3.37 now. So these things matter. There's a tug of war uh, battle right here, and these typically happens at really key levels in the bond market. So let's see how it closes or wherever we are. But Monday morning, we might have another bank failure or another emergency or something like that that could just push the 10-year yield much lower. And then it's, you know, how bad is the mortgage-backed security spreads? You know, mortgage rates should be uh, 5.99% this morning. They're, they're not. I haven't seen the pricing of today. But uh, uh, it, there's a lot of banking friction in the bond market moves and some of the economic takes now. So I think that overrides the Fed. Because do you know why, Sarah, this overrides the Fed? Uh, Because the Fed is old and slow, Logan. Yes, yes. And all the times they were talking tough, the banking crisis was brewing up. So uh, they've kind of taken the approach that we can do whatever we want to stop all banking crises and everything. We, We have the tools to do this. So they're throwing everything they can at it, and uh, I think it's a it's a waiting to see how bad the credit tightens. And and just like I said on CNBC Monday morning, everyone in the housing sector should be very grateful that Freddie and Fannie are in conservatorship because if they were publicly traded companies, no matter how many how much money they raised, you don't know how much credit can tight with the two big credit flows uh, in this country. So credit in itself, just like in COVID nineteen, is is flowing and. You know, there's going to be an article I write for the week where we talk about what does housing look like in an economic recession? Because I think a lot of uh, the misinformation about how housing economics works during recessionary period times uh, needs to be explained again. And that was the part of the COVID-19 recovery model was uh, telling people, hey, listen, we have 133 million people working still. 
So uh, mortgage rates are at 3% and everybody's living their lives. They could buy and sell homes. So uh, that is a very powerful uh, uh, economic factor that I'll touch into this week in the article. So you, I know you, your forecast is based on the 10-year yield. Your work is on the 10-year yield. That's your model. But if I'm in mortgage and real estate, the 10-year yield may not mean that much to me. What I'm looking for is mortgage rates. So tell and me why I care should. about the 10-year yield. It, it, let me, let me, there's a reason why I use the slow dance. I'm trying to get people to understand that no matter what everybody says, mortgage-backed securities are really important. Okay, I get that. There's a relationship with a 10-year yield that is longer than most of your marriages, whoever's listening to this one, because unless you got married before 1971, okay, these two move together, right? And what economic factors push them higher and lower counts? So for example, mortgage rates went from 5.99% to 7.10% recently, right? How did that happen? Bond yields just shot up. Right, economic data was better, firmer. Right, the inflation, inflationary data, the short terms were picking up, so bond yields stayed in that range. Now it's come back down. What's happened? Why did mortgage rates go down? Right, banking crisis. What? That's going to impact economic data. Inflationary data can you know, we could get more disinflation in a banking uh, crisis or a tightening of credit. So bond yields go down, mortgage rates go down, and this lovely dance has been going together. And that's why I don't care about mortgage rates in the sense. I care about the bond market and what it can do for mortgage rates. And this is why I said, as long as the economic data stays firm, that 10-year yield should not break below 3.21%. Now we have a new variable. We have the belief that the banking crisis is going to tighten credit all around America for regional banks or, or anything. And that will prohibit people from growing the economy at, at a normal rate. And thus, economic growth slows down, labor gets hit. That will, in a sense, bring bond yields down, unless you believe in the 1970s inflation or early 1980s. Okay, that's, that's a whole different subject, but I don't believe in that. So here we are testing a key level, not because the economic data was bad. No, I mean, retail sales was fine. Industrial production was fine. Housing data has picked up recently. Some of the manufacturing data is growing. So it's not that. It's this fundamental belief that now this tight, this banking crisis is actually what the Federal Reserve really needed to push disinflation down. And the 10-year yield should go down with it. And it has. Now the question is, can we break lower uh, uh, and then mortgage rates can, can, can uh, go even lower than what we've had to deal with recently? So why do you say that mortgage rates should be at 5.99% this morning on? Well, the, the spreads actually were getting a little bit better. And then when the banking crisis came back, um, the spreads got worse. So uh, like, for example, yesterday, uh, I think we're at 6.44% on, on mortgage rates, uh, where the 10-year yield was before, you know, uh, in November, whatever, when yields were first coming down. We got down to 5.99% the last time we were here. So there's stress in the mortgage market. That's why when we think of banking stress, we have to think about how does it impact the mortgage-backed security markets. And remember, if the Federal Reserve wanted to, it could help housing like this. It just doesn't want to, right? It could just say, by the way, we're going to purchase mortgage-backed securities and wherever the bond market is, it, that's the pricing it should be. And bond mortgage rates would fall down by itself. Um they don't want to do that. They they are purposely choosing not to do that. That's their belief. 
But here, we still have to work with the equilibrium between the 10-year yield and mortgage rates and the economic data and what's going on. So again, everything was running normal until the banking crisis. So we're injecting this new variable and everyone's running around and thinking, what's the next shoe to fall? Or is the Federal Reserve correct? They can they can stop this pain uh, and manage it. But uh, they even talked about how the tightening of credit now is basically like a few rate hikes. So some people are saying, okay, they're done in because of that. They're using that language. But again, they're all over the map. So we have to just take it one day at a time. And that's why we created the tracker. We did. And that's the housing market tracker on housingwire.com um, that people can look at every Monday, sometimes on Sunday. And this might be another one of those days. By the time people hear this podcast, we might have put it on Sunday night because we do that when there have just been so many big moves uh, economically over the weekend. And the reason why uh, the Federal Reserves around the world want something done on Sunday, they want it uh, done before Asian trading starts. Right. So uh, early in the morning, uh, they want to uh, make sure that the markets know well ahead. They don't want something to go Monday or Tuesday. Uh, they want the marketplace to get ahead of it. So the, the, the market's reaction doesn't deteriorate if they're trying to do something to calm the markets down. This is why we have Sundays. And a- a- anybody who works in finance knows that uh, if you're working Sunday night, that means something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, there's been a lot wrong lately. Where are we on the on the banking crisis um, this week? Right. So, what are the what are the newest variables there? I, I mean, to to me, it's it's a few banks that uh, got into real trouble, but the Fed discount window. Uh, they're they're providing dollars to to the world. They're they're trying to make sure this banking crisis doesn't get bigger. Um, so we're not hearing like deposits, people leaving, the, you know, taking their deposits out or anything like that. Um, I, I think the one aspect that people uh, have realized that if this bank run was done on Slack in a few hours, things have changed, right? <laughs> yeah, um, this, is this isn't the old uh, run to the bank and sit in line. And, you know, uh, uh, if, if, if things can move this fast. Uh, your reactions have to be uh, as fast or faster. So uh, we wait until Sunday. We, you know, is Deutsche Bank in trouble now? That's that's some of the rumors. Uh, European, big European banks. So we'll we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, again, what, by the time this airs, it's Monday morning. So uh, if something happens on Sunday night, we we, we would all know it. But uh, again, we we have a lot of chaos, right? Uh, just like in COVID, just like in other times, we have chaos when. The Fed pivoted and the Russian invasion happened, chaos. So we're dealing with with things. But one thing at least we could see now, at least in housing, when mortgage rates did fall, we have demand. And from November 9th, and I always like to use November 9th because that was the time that the internals of the data got better, we have more positive forward-looking data than negative. Um, and I think that's that's one thing that we have to accept and talk about more. It's just that, you know, there's not a good, the financial media or the the talking points out there, it's just not very efficient. It's all about home price crashes and stuff like that. The internals of economic work are really not talked about much because to be frank, it's too boring. But here we actually have enough data to see as mortgage rates keep on falling lower and lower, purchase application data improves. If they rise up, they get negative. But 
even with the increase in rates that we saw from 5.99 to over 7%, we saw three weeks of negative data. They're very wild in nature, but the difference, and I think this is one of the more important talking points with housing economics, we're not working from 6.5 million existing home sales anymore. We worked from 4 million and then we had a big bounce. So we're just going to be working from these very low levels. You know, when rates rise, we saw the impact of data. We're going to we're going to get a weaker existing home sales report coming up. But then things got better. So so it's the the tracker is created to give you guys kind of a scorecard of what happens each week and all the economic data so you have a mindset of looking out forward because Again, I don't remember a single person talking about the internals of housing data getting better November, December, and January on the weekly data to have this big print on existing home sales. I saw people talk about how many how much home prices are going to crash or anything. Yeah, yeah, except us. And this is why we created the tracker. So you can block out the noise and follow the data, right? And- the data has worked since the 1990s, and it's it's always been very efficient. People, politicians, and poets, though, they can lie for entertainment purposes, but data, it'll, it'll guide you, either positive or negative. It's a good place. It's a good place. One of the things that you have uh, said, one of your catchphrases or your or your images that people have really latched onto is the, the slow dance between mortgage rates and and the 10-year yield. People love that because we've seen it all over social people. It, it helps real estate agents and mortgage loan officers. It helps them explain to people what is going on. Yes. And and, and the reason I, I, did, I, I do this is because a lot of people say mortgage rates are manipulated by the Fed and it's all a Ponzi scheme. And okay, go back to 1971, that relationship. So I thought, what do humans do? They dance, right? Hopefully, so hopefully. if you some, can, some of yes, them do. Yes. And yeah, some of them do. But if you slow dance, then you realize that when you're slow dancing with someone, there is a relationship that can't be broken. Now, of course, if you stop, right? But we're talking about the 10-year yield and mortgage rates have always danced together because they don't stop. They never go to sleep. They are in a constant slow dance. Sometimes the spreads are wide, so they get a little bit of distance. Sometimes the spreads are narrow, they get a little bit closer, but they're always dancing together. And I think the, the a lot of the, let's say, extreme bearish take is that the system is a fraudulent system. It's a Ponzi scheme. And and, and it's just going back. I, I always say that a lot of these are older men. And I said, don't you remember the 70s? Don't you remember when inflation was high and rates were going up higher? They all the, they were dancing together back then. So go back to your youth when you could dance and then remember how it was back then. And then maybe you could understand why this is important to have the 10-year yield and mortgage rates. So And, and everybody they, appreciates you dunking on uh, old white guys yes, too. So yes, I mean, you, you've yes. never gotten any pushback on that yet. No. And when they dip, like in a dance, they dip together. Right. So um, why did mortgage rates come down? Tenure yield come down. Spreads are terrible. That's true. Spreads are really bad. They still came down. So just work off of that relationship. Now, there's a there's a there's a ghost theory that there's going to be a time where the entire system blows up and mortgage rates spike up to 10, 15 percent because there's no systematical mortgage. The Federal Reserve has shown you they can come in at any time they want. Right. So um the, the the notion that the government won't 
assist people in a time of crisis, right? Especially during COVID or anything like this, realize that as as a society, we tend to do things to help when when there's bad things happening. We don't just let you know bad things keep on going on and on and on. So um, just go with that. And we'll, we'll, this is why we talk about the ten-year yield first, not mortgage rates. And uh, it's crazy now. We're 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 at a very key level. And uh, uh, I've always said it's before the banking crisis. You need jobless claims to break to get below three point two one on a ten on a ten-year yield. Where jobless claims isn't breaking, so why are yields trying to break below that? Because the assumption that banking credit gets tighter, credit growth goes down. That'll create a recession. That'll be jobless claims. This is the new variable in this equation. And we're just in a very chaotic period market time. So be a little bit mindful that in chaos, things can move very fast up or down. Um, but eventually it defines a some kind of a normal trend based on what's going on in the economy and in the world. What I think is interesting is your view of the Fed is really nuanced. Like some people think, oh, you know, because there are Fed haters. There are people who, I mean, there's a whole conspiracy, bunch of conspiracy theories about the Fed. You're not one of those people. You might call them old and slow, but you actually appreciate the Federal Reserve. No, I mean, the Fed has a dual mandate. Dual mandate is price stability and economic expansions. Uh, We I mean, before COVID, price stability was not, I mean, we were fine, right? In, in terms of how they look at CPI or PCE. That's not the thing. We, we just had the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history with the price being more stable than in many decades. So they did their job perfectly in that sense. That That's what that's what their role was. They did. And then when you know 2018 happened, they decided to cut rates or they pivoted back then, kept the expansion going. And then when COVID happened, they went, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday on the 23rd, I got one of my memories, my memories back in March of 23rd. So a video I created, I said, okay, so we wrote that article on March, early March, that you need to be open-ended. Every, 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 every stimulus has to be open-ended to, to, to defeat this uh, virus. And March 23rd, the kind of the Fed went all in. And guess what? We had the fastest recovery ever in history. So they're doing their jobs right in that sense. Here, to me, there's somewhat of a panic on their part. Um, and they talked about a lot of things that, you know, for even for myself, I accepted it. I said, okay, the Fed says they want the labor market to break, so let's go with it. And they said three, six, 12-month PCE growth. And then all of a sudden, they changed. Like, they changed everything. And then they were like, oh, we're, we need to do this. That just shows not conviction in what you were saying before. And what the question I wanted answered is that, you know, Chairman Powell says, I do not see any stress created by aggressive rate hikes. Nobody asked them that question. Do you now see this? So they could, I want to see, do they believe they're part of this? Uh, didn't get really asked. So, um, you know, the, the job to me is that people being employed is a good thing. People working is a good thing. And my frustration is when Chairman Powell says, well, the labor market is too tight. The job market's too good. We need to break it. And then 10 minutes later in the same conference, well, you can't have a good labor market with high inflation. We've had these really long expansions. And what? How did that? No, you just said it's too strong. And now you're saying you can't have it. See, you you, you have to realize when you say something, Everyone's going to listen. And then you start to sound a little weird when on one hand you say the labor market is too strong. People are working. They're getting paid too much. 
then you say you can't have a good labor market with high inflation. Ah, supposedly this is the best labor market ever. So they they start to get themselves because they they feel a need, they feel a need like they have to fight back on Wall Street or bond traders, where your constituents are your people. This is why I want the president of the San Francisco Fed to resign. That was your bank in your district. That you are the keeper of that district. You needed emergency lending facilities to keep your district out of getting into a, a deeper recession. So if you cannot be held accountable, then you're basically saying our job doesn't matter if something happens, we're just going to throw everything at it and, and we're good. But you said to us, there's nothing wrong. So that's that. There's where it goes back to my bleeding theory. If you can't bleed, then you go into war thinking no one could kill you. So you are reckless in that you lack the discipline. Uh, to manage something. And um, I, I'm glad that there's going to be other investigations outside of the Fed here. And if there is any kind of lax on their part on watching the banking system, then people have to go. Because then if there's no consequences, then why does behavior, uh, you think behavior is going to change? No, behavior changes when people know there's consequences. And uh, that one was on your watch. That's why I highlight the San Francisco Fed and Trust me, when it's all said and done, all the news will come out on that one. And uh, hopefully there'll be appropriate uh, 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 actions done to not only prevent the next one, but to prevent the watcher from uh, getting a little bit undisciplined in managing the banking system. I think that is very interesting. You and I have argued about a mortgage rate lockdown, and I wanted to... um, surface something that Connie Kim, she's one of our reporters. Um, she writes, actually with several people write a newsletter, contribute to a newsletter called Lending Life. And it goes specifically to loan officers. And so our reporters, people in our newsroom talk to loan officers all the time and kind of collate, curate this content for them. And this week, one of those newsletters, she talked to someone, Patrick Gardner, who's the principal of Vellum Mortgage. And they were talking about mortgage rates. And what he said is like, anecdotally, we kind of feel like there's this magic rate number. Uh, because in, at one point he said, you know, he he wasn't so uh, rate sensitive in the sense of like, you know, it, some buyers need to buy, that's what they're going to do. But he said now, you know, they kind of, after seeing like when, when mortgage rates dipped, what happened and that flurry of activity in his market... He really said that, you know, it really something below 6% is kind of like this magic number for a 30 year fixed. And then people who have those 3% interest rates, you know, they're willing to move in the fives. There's something about the fives that has ever since, you know, the Fed started hiking rates in uh, last year that every time it gets into the fives again, people kind of rally and you and you see more activity. So I know that you're not, a, a, I know that doesn't necessarily uh, change your mind about mortgage rate lockdown. But I do think it's interesting to think that if we could just get into that five, even 5.99, even that, that there's something psychologically about in the fives that people will, will move for. You know, speaking of the mortgage rate lockdown, that was a topic on Twitter today. And I, somebody said, at what rate do sellers unleash inventory? And then I said, by the way, if you look at 2016, New listings data was uh, eighty four thousand. When we go to twenty twenty one, when mortgage rates were three percent and lower, it was sixty thousand. This is the weekly. We had more people listing their homes at higher mortgage rates than we did at the lowest mortgage rates ever. There is more to this equation than just the mortgage rate factor, 
And I cannot prove it unless you give me a chalkboard and one hour <laughs> and a chalk. And I could show this historical data trends that have proved that they're the housing tenure, credit channels, millions of people buy homes every year. Millions of people move. They move, they're moving right now. They're giving up their low rate to move there. They did it every single week this year. They did it every single week last year. They did it every single week the year before where the rates were at 8% or 3%. But there has been a downtrend historically in listings and people moving and demand goes up and down with mortgage rates, but people are thinking active listings really grow. And now we have we have now 23 years of data to prove that the only time that active listings have really grown in, in a nature is actually through economic weakness outside of the kind of the 2000 to 2005 period when credit channels were different. See, this goes into a very longer uh, uh, economic theory of mine that because credit channels are changing, um, uh, that's a bigger factor. And I always, I always point out, we had more people listing with higher mortgage rates. And I, listen, I respect your data. I respect your data take on this, but I think this year we have different variables. And one of those variables is just the psychological impact of like, I mean, like this guy says, he's seeing it on the ground that there's something about in the fives that people go, okay, this is a reasonable reason for me to leave. And I don't think you're going to see this data, Logan, until later. And then we're going to look back because we haven't had sustained getting into the fives and staying there this year. Okay. So we got to the fives and new listings. And how long did we stay there? No, no, rates were going down. I mean, technically people are actually getting rates below 6%. Uh, because of the buy downs and and and, uh, and other factors, new listings data is not. I mean, for a while before the last two weeks, new listings data this year was on par with the three percent year we had. So rates at six to seven percent was actually the same new listings growth data as the three percent mortgage rate year. Wait a second, that doesn't make sense. The last two weeks, it's been uh, DVS. So m- Monday morning, we're gonna get we're gonna get the new inventory data. We, we could go over it, but but uh, what I'm saying is that there is a bigger story here, and it's a titanic dinosaur of data, and things are a little bit different. So I think people are accustomed to what they saw in 2000 to 2005 with rising sales and rising inventory, and it has not ever existed after 2005. And there's a reason for that. And there's a bigger story there. It just takes time. And again, one day I'm going to, I'm going to have my chalkboard and I could, I could show it all. I don't have the tools here to, to explain <laughs> it, but if I, I can convince the entire world uh, on this, um, it's just, there's, it, there's a lot of data, a lot of variables that go into it, but uh, um, I'm 100, I'm, I put my life in everyone's life that I know on this one. Uh, there's there's just too much evidence here to, to just point out to one thing. Okay. So first of all, I'm not getting you a chalkboard and chalk. The thought of touching chalk makes me want to like scream, no, but I will get you a whiteboard and some markers and we can go from there. We will do it. But in the meantime, I think I'm right. Okay. We are out of time. Look at that. Okay. Logan, thank you so much. Seriously. Thanks for being on. And I would tell our listeners, look for the housing market tracker on Sunday night or Monday morning, and we will talk to you again soon. Good. And oh, and remember, if we can actually break through the 10-year yield here at this level, 
2% is kind of like the next area. So it's Monday morning. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it, it always gets more crazy at these key levels. So always keep your eye on the 10-year yield, not mortgage rates. <laughs> okay, thank you. Calling all mortgage title and insurance leaders. With interest rates shutting down your refinance business, your relationship with your real estate partners is more important than ever. HW Media wants to help you deepen relationships and find success in this competitive purchase market by inviting you to attend Gathering of Eagles. Real Trends Gathering of Eagles is the real estate industry's premier event, bringing together leaders from the most successful brokerages in the country. For the first time ever, this closed event is open to our full audience. Check out the show notes to find out more or head over to realtrends.com to purchase your ticket today. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment and make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.